Our scripture reading for today comes from Mark 5, verses 25 through 34. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had had. She was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware of that power, she had gone forth from him. Jesus turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing that what she had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has been made well to you. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I tell you, I work with students here at the church, and I am so excited about this group of confirmands that are uh, coming into youth now. They are a great group, and it was really a blessing to get to see all that happened last Sunday. So thank you, Kim, and and our media team for putting that together. Um, So this sermon has been brewing in my heart for a couple of years, and I'm excited to get to preach it today. Um, You see, two years ago, our church did a series this time of year called Milestones, and we spent different Sundays talking about different milestones. We had Confirmation Sunday, uh, Mother's Day, Senior Sunday, uh, and a couple other things. And I remember a few months before that series being in our sermon planning, and um, I was one of the few moms and women in that group that day, and so they looked to me and they asked, was this their milestone? Was there a, a milestone moment uh, for me that I, when I thought, yep, I'm, I'm a mom now. And I began to think, and, and you know, you might think, well, it was those first kicks you feel when you're pregnant and you start feeling the baby move. Or maybe it's when you change that first poop explosion diaper. Anyone? Anyone ever been there? Um, and uh, I didn't think I made up the word poop explosion, but maybe I did. I'm going to take credit for it today. Um, Maybe it's when your kid first says, I love you back and means it. And I'll tell you, my, my oldest is three now. And this week they made this apron for me at school with handprints on it and stuff. And he was being all lovey. And he's like, um, I made this for you, mom. And I said, oh, thanks, John. And he, I thought he said, I love you. And I said, well, I love you too. But he said, no, I love it. <laughs> and he was hugging the apron. I was like, wow. Um, maybe it's. Uh, when you realize you'll never go to the bathroom in peace ever again. Um, there's lots of moments like that for moms, I think. And, and I want you to stay with me because this isn't just a, a Mother's Day sermon or a sermon for moms. It's a sermon for us and how we can be men and women of God. But for me, that moment I feel like I, I felt like I knew I was a mom was really when I first held John. And I always look for excuses to show pictures of my kids. So anyone out there, I'm sure you can relate. Um, but I don't mean when I held him like this. I mean when I held him when he was seconds old. It's a moment I was really nervous about because um, I don't want to get too un- gross or uncomfortable, but like when the baby comes out, they aren't like that. Okay, they don't come out all wrapped up, smelling cool, looking pretty. It's kind of gross and messy. And my doctor was like, I'm going to plop him on you. And I was like, okay. And so I was really nervous. I was like, this is going to be so gross and I don't know what to do. Um, they come out messy. And 
while that mess was uncomfortable <laughs> in some ways, there is something uh, very special about that moment when you first hold this baby that's seconds old. And, and I think for me, that's when I knew I was a mom. Uh, but you know what that meant? It meant lots of messes because they don't take them away and clean them up and then they just stay like that for the next 18 years. I don't think, um, not for me anyway. And um, they make a lot of messes. I'm three about three years in now and I can tell you that messiness has a new meaning. There's things I'll touch now and pick up and smell that I probably wouldn't have done before. Uh, messiness has, and gross has a new meaning. <laughs> but um, like I said, this isn't just a sermon about being a mom. What I believe that God wants to speak to us this morning is for us to realize and remember that we are called to love others um, in the midst of their mess, in the midst of, of the messiness of life, um, to be present in the uncomfortable, um, in the gross, in the mess of life with people that God puts in our path. Um, so what comes to your mind when you think of that kind of mess? I really want you to think, what, what's messy to you in life? Maybe it's someone that's addicted to drugs or a prostitute, someone who's murdered someone, maybe someone who struggles with uh, depression or anxiety. And I share that as somebody who, I do struggle with depression and anxiety at times, and so I, it's messy. It can be messy uh, in life. Maybe it's someone who's been hurt or abused. Uh, maybe it's someone who's experienced unfathomable loss. Um, there's all kinds of mess in life. It's just part of it. Um, everyone has some kind of mess. Um, some of us try to run from our own mess, but I think a lot of us run from other people's messiness. Uh, we don't want, we're, we're hesitant to be bothered or involved or thought of being in association with that. Um, and so we run and we avoid. Um, but for me, when it comes to motherhood, I can't effectively love and raise my child without being all up in the mess. <laughs> and when it comes to loving others, we cannot love them like Christ without touching the mess. And I don't mean partaking in the sin and the struggles. I don't mean joining in on the drug use or all that kind of stuff, obviously. But I do mean doing real life with people who are in a messy place, having hard conversations, being inconveniently available, uh, being uncomfortably vulnerable, and being willing to listen and be present without judgment. It's hard. And as I prepared for this message today, I thought about how Jesus himself, even though he lived a perfect life without sin, he led a pretty messy life. Um, he was conceived by an unwed teenage mother who, uh, in Bible times, that was one of the highest disgraces, uh, being unwed uh, teenage mom. He was born in a stable. That's pretty gross. <laughs> one of the most undesirable, humblest places you could think to be born. Um, while he was a baby, he was hunted. Um, hundreds of baby boys were murdered in search of him. Um, Imagine the panic and the desperation and the fear that all families felt with a boy child. If I was in that situation, I wonder if I would have been willing to expose the hunted in order to save my own. And I wonder if Joseph and Mary ever dealt with that fear. Um, they must have felt great fear and loneliness as they escaped their home and not knowing who they could trust. At age 12, he showed wisdom and knowledge beyond his years when he spoke in the temple and can you imagine being one of Jesus' peers or siblings and there's this kid who does no wrong and he keeps growing in favor with people and with God. Kids are mean sometimes, right? Every once in a while, <laughs> Jesus must have experienced some mockery or scorn from his peers. 
And then as an adult, he, he performed miracles, he drove out demons, he healed diseases, he touched the dead and brought them back to life. He ate with sinners, an adulteress washed his feet. The list goes on, and all of it brought on some kind of drama and mess and disorder, and yet he wasn't afraid. He invited people, he dined with people, he rubbed shoulders with people, and touched people in, in the midst of mess every single day. And then he, he died uh, death is messy in general, but his death was the bloodiest, most horrific of all. The way he died, the reasons he died, and for whom he died, it was all a mess. But this morning, I want us to look back at this passage, uh, just one example of Jesus uh, specifically getting messy and loving the unlovable. And so we're going to read it again. It says, now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For uh, she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And immediately aware that power had gone from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? But he looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Um, I love this story. It fills me with a lot of emotions. Um, First of all, you have this woman who's been sick for 12 years. She's been bleeding for 12 years which for obvious reasons, that would be awful. But in this uh, culture, when a woman had a disease like this, she was considered ceremonially unclean. And what that means is that um, she would have been isolated socially and religiously. Uh, She wouldn't be able to marry. If she was married, when that condition began, it would give grounds for her husband to divorce her, um, causing her to be more cast aside and isolated and alone. And also, if she touched someone else, that person would become ceremonially unclean. And so for 12 years, imagine the isolation, the lack of physical uh, contact that she's had. Like, can you think with all we've been through in the past year with COVID, when there were months that we couldn't um, hug our loved ones or touch, be face-to-face with people and that, how hard that was. Can you imagine 12 years of isolation and loneliness? And um, in all this, When she touched Jesus, it technically made him ceremonially unclean. Jesus would have had to been isolated for a certain amount of time until he could be considered clean again and touch other people or uh, participate in things in the temple. But Jesus didn't seem to care. In fact, um, I think there's a lot of cool things to point out about their interaction. Because the woman, I think she had somewhat of a misguided faith. Um, I don't think that she understood that this healing that she wanted wasn't like a hocus-pocus I just, if I touch him, I'll be made well. Um, She, I don't know that she had a a mature faith in that, but uh, when she, um, because healing comes through the work of Jesus, not just touching him. And Jesus knew what that woman needed, and he didn't just let that whole incident slide simply because they were on hurry, because the context of the story that we have, you have Jesus and this big crowd, and they're on the way to this family to heal this man's daughter. And there's this large group, and they're like, yeah, we're going to go see what Jesus is going to do. And people are pushing in, and they're, you know, they're hurrying. This girl's sick. And this all happens, and Jesus isn't like, oh, I'm in a hurry. i got to go. He stops everyone, and he's like, who touched me? And the disciples are like, dude. 
everybody's touching you. <laughs> um, Jesus took time and he stopped. And he looked this woman in the eyes, probably something that she didn't experience very often. And he had a conversation with her. Um, he found her, he healed her, he loved her, he blessed her. And he didn't care about his cleanliness or his reputation. He cared about this woman and her pain and her faith. And that's to me what it means to not just be a, a mom, but to be a woman or a man of God, that we are called to care for people no matter what mess they're bringing along with them. Can you put that up on the screen for me? We're, we are called to care for people no matter what mess they're bringing along with them. So I have a seven-month-old now. That's him. He's super cute. Um, but he still spits up quite a bit at times, which I thought that was supposed to stop by now, but it hasn't. Um, so a couple weeks ago, he got kind of sick with a cold, and so one night he just wasn't sleeping very well. And so I held him, and I laid in a recliner, holding him kind of upright so that he could rest. In the midst of it, he burped, and he spit up on me. And um, quite a bit. <laughs> and then he like nestled down and fell back asleep. So I was left with this decision. And I'm going to be honest, my decision making like qualities are not that great sometimes. But especially at 3 a.m., I'm like, what am I going to do? What should I do? And um, whether it was the right decision or not, I, I think it was. But I let him rest on me. And I embraced that mess and the smell. And I just let him sleep. Um, and I think that's what God calls us to do with people, to embrace that uncomfortable, to do things that may not be convenient, to be vulnerable, to listen, to refrain from judgment and meet them where they are and share Christ. And so I want to give you a few practical things. Um, what does that look like tangibly as, I, as we go through our week? And the first thing I have is prayer. Pray for God to open your eyes to the people around you who need you to share him with them. Perhaps you already have like two or three people in your mind, um, or maybe it's somebody that you pass by every day that you just never, that's never been something that's crossed your mind. Um, but I think God will show you who he has um, in your path if you pray and ask him to do that. Um, and the second thing is invitation. Invite that person to conversation. Maybe that's over coffee or over dinner over or out for dinner. Um, but especially if that's someone who may feel marginalized or isolated, uh, treat that person with dignity. Show them love and respect and have honest and genuine conversation with them. The third thing is to meet a need. Does that person have a need that I can meet? Whether it's physical, like clothes or shoes or, or money, um, can I meet a need today? Maybe it's emotional. Do they need a friend that they can count on? Um, if you see a need that you can help meet, um, even if it's inconvenient, and I would say especially if it's inconvenient, because if it's inconvenient, no one else is going to meet it. <laughs> if it's inconvenient, are we just going to count on the next person that God puts in their path that they're going to listen? Hopefully they will, but hopefully you will, especially if it's inconvenient. Meet that need. If it's something that God puts on your heart, and if it's something that you can do through Christ. And then the last thing is to embrace the mess. Um, when we have someone in our life that we're trying to minister to, specifically it's, if it's someone who has long-term struggles, if that's like a disease or finances or emotional health, um, long-term stuff, that, that mess doesn't just go away overnight. And, and I see a lot of that in youth ministry. Um, 
working with students. I love having the opportunity to uh, mentor them one-on-one or in small groups when those opportunities arise. And there was a student that I was working with once, and I met with her um, over the course of a few years to try to show her the love of Christ and to mentor her. She was a sweet girl, but she struggled with her identity. And it wasn't something that went away after I met with her a couple times. I'm like, check. It was something that she struggled with long-term. And um, I think that in times like that, it might seem easier to just put up a boundary <laughs> and say, well, I tried to help her, but she keeps making the same decisions. But I, I think what Jesus wanted me to do was to be a consistent adult in her life. And so we would meet regularly, and I would say the same things over and over. You're a daughter of the king. You're loved by Jesus. You're redeemed. And she would hear that, but she still struggled. And I just still tried to be faithful in the midst of that. And I think that that's where this is hard, when messiness doesn't just go away real quickly. And we have people in our path that that mess is going to last a little while, okay? It may last the whole time that you're uh, in, in their life as this person that God's going to use. Um, but my um, encouragement to you is to em- embrace that and to be faithful and to be consistent and to um, let God use you in the midst of that. Um, I lost my spot because I got way off. But um, I think that we have to be, um, just choose to be consistently present for however long we're able to and for however long Jesus calls us to. Um, because the, things can be different. I'm not saying this is an all, all situation deal. Sometimes I think Jesus will say, you know what, we need to, um, we need to do something different in this situation. So I, I just encourage you to always be praying and let God reveal that to you as well. But more than anything, to be faithful and to be uh, vulnerable and to be consistent. Um, I'm going to invite the band back up uh, this morning as we close and respond. Um, Because, you know, Jesus saw more trouble than most of us ever want to experience in his life on this earth. Um, But uh, he still wants us. He still wants our messy lives. He wants us to hand over that mess to him so that he can heal and he can restore and renew Um, And if Jesus got messy and he embraced the broken and were to live like him, then I don't think we have any excuse um, to to not do that ourselves. Uh, If I can encourage you with anything as we leave today is just to remember those four things, to pray, invite, meet a need, and embrace the people around you that God puts in your path. He is faithful, and he will use you to show that to other people. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for embracing my mess, for loving me with a love that never fails, that even when I get very distracted or um, prideful or selfish or wrapped up in what I think is most important, that your love is always constant. And so I pray this morning that first of all, and foremost, that we would remember that truth, that you welcome us with open arms. Whatever we're going through, whatever we've been through, and whatever we bring to the table, that you desire us. And I pray that as we remember that, and we realize that, and we embrace that, that we would show that same love to the people around us. Father, would you open our eyes this week to see um, who you have in our path for reasons, 
um, for who you have um, in our life that we need to embrace and that we need to be um, showing that love to. God, help us to um, help us to be humble. Help us to sacrifice um, when it comes to following you. Help us to embrace the uncomfortable and the inconvenient things and see how you might work uh, through those moments. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your precious name. Amen.